Hey, welcome to Optimize Your Body with Martin Silva, where we talk raw, uncut facts to truly help you optimize your body. Okay then, mate, so we got some questions for the audience. So, my, my turn now. Okay, Mark, the first question is, what's the biggest challenge you've faced moving to the other side of the world? What advice would you give to others doing the same? So, for me, it was definitely being away from my friends and family was, was number one. So, you know, you kind of know that you're going to be missing your family before you do it. You know it's a big move, you know, moving from the UK across to Australia. It's literally is the other side of the world. So I kind of knew that going into it, but I didn't quite realize how much it makes you value those relationships you have back home more. So that was the number one challenge for me was being away because I'm very close to my mother and my sister. You know, we're, we're close-knitted family. So to be away from them at the other side of the world, Although you keep in touch with them and stuff, you know, obviously you're still, you're still the other side of the world. So that was by far the most challenging thing for me. And I would just recommend to anyone who's thinking of doing it, just, you know, just go for it. Because the bottom line is, you know, you're not going to, when you die or you're on your deathbed, you're not going to regret the things you did. You're definitely going to regret the things you didn't do. So worst case scenario, you can always go back home. You're always going to have a home. And that's the way I look at it. You know, although I'm like a 24 hour flight away, you know, it's quite a long way on a flight. In the grand scheme of things, you know, you're only one day away from, from being back home if push comes to shove, so. With that, would you say that you took things for granted when you were here, you know, obviously with family members? I know you are close to your mother and your sister, as I've seen, like, myself personally. Would you say you took those relationships more for granted then, or were you, did you find there's any difference? I would say, no, I would say I didn't take them for granted that much. However, I would just say, you know, yeah, in a sense, just basically being more present with them. So, you know, you kind of just like do your own thing. That's totally normal, right? Just to do your own thing and not really, you know, spending lots of time with, with your, your close ones. But at the same time, I think just be making a, a practice of being more present. All the stuff we talk about really, you know, practicing gratitude, what you're grateful for is something I wasn't doing back then. And if I was doing that, I think I would have, I would have uh, cherished and been even more grateful for them uh, if I had been practicing the things that I am grateful for. And also um, meditation as well, as, as we've mentioned lots of times, just practicing being present because just by doing that, it makes you more aware of when you are, say, on your phone, when you're with your family or you know, you're around your parents or whatever, and you're on your phone kind of doing stuff on social media, wasting time. It makes you more aware of that and it makes you do less of that. So if anything, I would say just to practice gratitude and, and meditation more to make you more aware of when you're present and when you're not really. Okay. Um, so this one's a bit more uh, nutrition related. Um, have you had to deal with eating disorders on your fitness journey? What were they and what challenges have you faced overcoming this, if that is uh, the case? Yeah, so absolutely, as we've uh, alluded to a lot, lots of times before on the podcast, you know, we both have had, although we didn't realize it at the time, we both definitely dealt with eating disorders for sure because... I think we always had a pretty poor relationship with food in our 20s, for example. I think, uh, especially as we became more self-conscious about how we looked, you know, we, you know, in the day and age we live in, we've mentioned, you know, social media can play a part in that. But I think it's just coming up as uh, a skinny lad, you know, always being slender and not being very popular generally. I was kind of like mediocre. I was never really, you know, bottom of the ladder in that sense, but I was never a popular guy either. So I was kind of somewhere in the middle always skinny, you know, and then when I started lifting weights and building some muscle, 
and uh, noticing I was getting more attention. I think that became uh, a little bit of a, a bad kind of behavior then because then I was uh, focusing on you know just looking good and trying to be more popular if you like. And then that kind of sparred out of control a bit more then when I started competing and getting into that competition world then of you know being critiqued against other people on stage and the fitness modeling stuff uh, and all of that kind of stuff then kind of uh, triggered the eating disorder then I think it made it worse. So obviously restrictive eating for shows and modeling shoots and whatnot uh, and not really knowing much about nutrition and eating the same foods unnecessarily such as chicken and broccoli uh, and then when I would get to show day or to the day of the shoots, I would get the shoot or the show in the bag, and then I would go on, as you as you witnessed with me, we would go on uh, mad, crazy, unhealthy, binge eating episodes, which kind of uh, got out of control. And then we managed to get a grip on that then when we started focusing on health and making that a priority then and uh, eating more healthy foods gradually over time, eating more vegetables and focusing on uh you know, learning more about food sources and kind of food you should and shouldn't eat. And when we started doing that more consistently, we gradually just um, binge eating and actually eating those kind of foods as regular as we did became less appealing. So uh, yeah, that answers that one. Excellent. And uh, what would you say your biggest insecurity is? Biggest insecurity for me, I guess, it's a good question. I would say is, um, is financial freedom, I would say, going forward in the future. Not, not necessarily about just having money and being rich. That's not really something I desire. Although I do desire to have enough money to live comfortably later down the line. I'd say right, my, right now my biggest insecurity, or at least one of them, would be not having myself set up in the future, you know, and in a position where I can travel as much as I want, where I'm not in a position like I am now, which is not a terrible position. I'm living in Sydney. I'm living the dream, really. But I'm still paying someone else's mortgage. So I'm still renting. I haven't actually got my own property. So I think, if anything, I'd say that was my biggest insecurity, really, not having um, you know, a property or two later down the line where I'd have my pension sorted uh, and I would have enough money in the bank to live the life I want to live, essentially, going forward, which I know I'm, I'm working towards that, but I feel like I'm behind on life sometimes, too. You know what I mean? I feel like, because I've, I've enjoyed my 20s, which is, is totally fine. You, know, you need to enjoy yourself. But I feel like I could have been a bit smarter in my 20s if I knew what I know now in terms of uh, saving and investing, you know what I mean? So if anything, I would say that. Yeah, that's a good point. I think, again, you've experienced a lot of things in life as well. So, yeah, you know, when you get to that age where you're 80, 90, and you, you look back and you say, well, I just saved my whole life. Yep. Didn't use it, you know, I didn't have any life experiences with friends or family. Would you regret that on your deathbed? Yes, I'd imagine you would. As Absolutely. opposed to having five properties. Absolutely. Which Absolutely. you don't really be able to do much with at that point. That's right? very true, actually. Yeah, yeah. You're at the age now where you can start um, saving, start investing, Definitely. start doing that in your 30s anyway. So I think you're at a good point there. That's it. I agree with that. I just wanted to say as well, With uh, that's not really what makes you happy and fulfilled anyway. As you mentioned before, anything external, money, properties, wherever that is. Um, obviously, the question was insecurity, so it's more a case of setting myself up so I have freedom later down the line. Um, but yeah, I absolutely agree with that, mate, yeah, for sure. Um, in the fitness industry, um, you know, we bag on about certain things that we don't like. What is your biggest pet peeve that you see in the fitness industry that you dislike at the moment? My biggest pet peeve is quite a few, actually, but my biggest one, I would say, is 
online coaches online, not, not even even if they're not coaches, uh, even if they're so-called uh, influencers, whatever that word actually means, not knowing or not actually taking the time out and, and being disciplined and passionate enough to learn about nutrition, for example, and dishing out information which is actually damaging people. So my biggest pet peeve is people in a position where they have power in a sense because they've got sometimes millions of followers, if not thousands, hundreds of thousands or whatever, and they're dishing out information which uh, is not only wrong, but it's actually doing more harm than good. So it's, for example, giving people the cookie cutter kind of nutrition plan, or it's not even a nutrition plan, a diet plan, where they um, you know, eat this, these foods for X amount of time, not knowing anything about nutrition, and actually doing more harm to that person than good. Because again, we mentioned about restrictive eating, a lot of these cookie cutter plans are based on them eating you know, a certain type of food for X amount of time, and it, it really doesn't work like that with nutrition. Uh, it's so complex that to, to give someone a, a fixed diet plan, for example, is uh, it's not going to serve 95% of people. So, yeah, to answer that question, I think um, it's a case of people out there making out they know stuff they don't know, essentially, and um, sucking people into their bullshit kind of um, cookie-cutter diet or workout plans or um, supplements, basically. I have a yeah. huge gripe with it at the moment with um, the likes of, of people who are already filthy rich. Um, they then have, you know, liposuction and surgeries to enhance certain body parts. And then they're going online and selling a product to young women or older women, whoever it might be who are already probably insecure about their bodies because they're comparing themselves to these people who you filter, who have operations. And then they're selling them a shit product, and they don't even need that money, and it just drives me insane. That's my Absolutely. biggest gripe, man. That's that's a tough thing to see. I agree with that. Um, just pure pure greed yeah. and no integrity, and just playing on people's insecurities, right? Exactly. Okay, so if you had something you could tell your younger self, um, what would that be? And this this is going to go for uh, both lifestyle um, and fitness. Okay, so related, fitness related. So yeah, if there's anything I could tell my younger self, it is um, just like just like the uh, book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. It's basically stop giving a fuck about things which don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. So I don't know about you, but when I was younger, I used to worry a lot about uh, people's perception of me. You know, you, you can never change the way people perceive you, right? So all you can actually do is be, be yourself, really. Be authentic and, um, you know, stay true to yourself. Now, when I was younger, I used to worry so much about what people would think uh, and whatnot, and I used to do stuff a lot more to please other people and not necessarily put on myself first. So just to answer that question, I would say to really stop giving a fuck about things that don't matter and stop giving a shit about people that don't matter. So I would just, once again, just, just, just to recap that, essentially start giving a fuck, just like the book says, about the right things. Uh, and stop worrying about, stop sweating the small stuff and stop worrying about shit which doesn't matter and you can't change, is out of your control. So for example, you know, I used to worry about what people would think of me in terms of me coming across as a confident, you know, I've been a personal trainer for a long time. It can be intimidating sometimes. People look at me and think I'm gonna be a, a prick because obviously, you know, personal trainers already have that kind of, uh, that uh, reputation anyway, unfortunately, but also like the way I look as well or whatever. People, I, I used to 
overthink what people would think of me, and I used to make myself quite anxious about it. Whereas now, I really don't give a fuck about what people think about me. So, excellent. Yeah. And what about fitness? Like, is there any fitness-related things you can give away? That's, that would be lifestyle, I guess. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, fitness and, and lifestyle stuff. So that I would assume that you know that's kind of kind of comes under lifestyle. It comes under, but that's that's good. Yeah. To go into more detail, I would say just um, in terms of the way you train, really, and what you do to your body in the gym. A lot of the stuff we did, right, training-wise, was totally unnecessary. It was just a, it was just chasing an addiction. So that's what I think the listeners need to realize is um, high-intensity training and training hard uh, and busting your balls in the gym, that is an addiction, which you need to be aware of. That feeling of, what fuck, fuck A, it feels good. When you walk out of the gym, you're sweating, bonk, you're sweating bonkers. Bonkers, bonkers. <laughs> you're sweating conkers, right? And um, you're just, you're <laughs> adrenaline is pumping, you know, your cortisol, all those stress hormones are, are flowing through your body. You've come in the gym, you've just done a, a monster workout and you've you, you literally walked in the gym and you've crawled out and that's your way of training. That's the way you like to train because that's what you think is going to get your results because you're addicted to the mental side of that feeling. It's no different to a drug and that's the way I used to be wired with training is going to the gym, hammer my body, uh, you know, hammer one body part, for example, and, you know, it served me Split routine training, it does have its place, you know, it does get you results. We've all, we're, not, we're not saying that's, you know, um, hitting one body part at a time doesn't get you results. It does, it got me results, but you can get carried away, can't you? Yeah, it? I guess for the average person, though, like, is that really the way to go? You, you're talk, we're talking about dealing with average day-to-day -day people for the most part who don't have the time to train or, you know, mm. every day, you know, they don't have, to, they, they want to recover, they want to do things outside of the gym. You know, as a professional bodybuilder where you have time, mm and less time to uh, recover, you know, uh, sorry, more time for recovery, you know, maybe a split routine is more suited for you, um, but average people, maybe full body might be better. Exactly, yeah, so uh, just to answer that, I would say, yeah, to train the full body and focus on the fundamental movements, as we always say, squats, deadlifts, which I've always done, but I would have focused on, on treating, I guess, I guess, actually, just in one sentence, treat training as a skill and a practice, as opposed to training it as work, hence the word workout, right? It shouldn't be work. It should be going in and practicing a skill just like you would a sport or any other skill, really. What was the most difficult part of you competing in your first pro show? Oh, the most difficult part, that was actually my last year, one day, my first ever pro show. Um, the most difficult part was, there was a few different things, actually. But I think it was actually getting on stage against people who are at another level altogether, for example, because obviously competing as an amateur and competing as a pro, uh, essentially it's a, it's a different animal when you get on the pro stage. So it was knowing that the guys I were up against when I turned up, I guess the psychological element was the biggest challenge for me because as you know, you were there on the day when I turned up and I think the biggest challenge was not me um, having the psychological piece in place. So. I turned up and I wasn't, I, I put all the work in, best prep ever. I, I pretty much brought the condition I needed to bring, but the finishing touches weren't quite there. So I think the main thing I learned was um, preparation and actually the people you want to hire to help you. I think you need to delve deeper into that. So I'm not going to go into too much detail with that, but I think it was because I wanted people to help me with the prep. And, and, and help me with my prep as usual, I kind of um, didn't get that part right. And I, didn't, I don't think that served me on stage. So yeah, just to wrap that up, I would say the most challenging part was for me um, is the psychological element of 
not being at my best on stage as a result of me making not the best decisions in terms of the guidance I was getting leading up to the show. Yeah. Yeah. And what's the worst bit of advice you've ever dished out as a trainer? The worst bit of advice, oh, it's been quite a lot actually, to be honest, but the worst bit of advice I have given out would probably be for someone to, um, it's got to be nutrition related. So I would just say, just the diet plans I used to prescribe people, really. In terms of advice, um, I just alluded to this on another question, but giving people a diet plan. Don't get me wrong, like for five, ten percent of people, a diet plan may serve them for a certain amount of time, but not the ones we were dishing out, right? Where we all we knew was the bodybuilding methods of uh, eating meat and vegetables, and not even eating vegetables, just eating chicken bland, and broccoli, bland, bland meat, foods, bland foods, exactly. No fats. No fats. That's it. And just giving people a restricted diet plan. I would mm-hmm. say that's the worst advice I've given people because and then, yes, they do get results for a few weeks, but then they go back to their own ways and they normally feel shitter about themselves then because they put the weight back on and you're not teaching them anything. You're not teaching them anything about the behaviors around food, about how to build a relationship with food, a healthy relationship with food, the habits. You're not teaching them anything that's going to serve them um, you know, lifelong lessons and get them in shape for the rest of their life. You're actually doing them more harm than good. So... Not learning anything from the process, I, I, I'd understand, you know that. I, yes. Um, okay, with the emergence of social media and your ever-growing presence on there, how has this affected your psyche both negatively and positively? I would say, yeah, so it's been a roller coaster, really. I'm not going to lie, especially with the emergence of Instagram and the journey that Instagram took me on because... You know, I before I actually started competing and doing the or competing at the uh, with the WBFF, uh, the different federation, and before I actually had a big following. In reality, I think it was I was better off because when I built my following up, it was all built up purely on how I looked. So I built up a big following. I got you know from from three thousand followers to fifty thousand in the space of like a year, <clears throat> and you know I was chasing the high of likes. Really, the, the dopamine hit, you know, the um, instant gratification you get from getting thousands of likes on a picture. I was chasing that and I, I was lying to myself. Oh, I want to inspire people. Bullshit, really. The only person you're serving, really, when you're chasing likes and posting pictures of you half naked is yourself, right? So don't get me wrong. There is, there is a place to post a picture of your physique and the work you put in. That's totally fine. You know, you're entitled to show off your hard work. And if you're going to put a, a, a caption on there, for example, that's going to, help people get in shape and learn from you, great. But it was purely just self-serving. So building my following up, trying to chase the, uh, you know, getting modeling contracts and whatnot. But in reality, I was just lying to myself. Uh, it doesn't really work like that on Instagram. You don't just get people knocking the door uh, with modeling contracts by posting pictures of you shredded and half naked, you know, in every photo. So, um, yeah, so I would say with the image of social media, all in all, there's been some great things that come out with the negatives are, sending me down the rabbit hole of building up a following which uh, has no value, really, because the, the following I built up was just based on people perving on me, essentially, most people. Don't get me anything wrong, some people on there now I'm, I'm helping and it's changed a bit now, but I would say that, and um, also the, the comparisons as well. Um, I fell into the, now I'm more aware, right, but um, it's tough, yeah. Looking at other people's lives, uh, now I'm obviously, like I said, I'm much more aware since educating myself, but the illusion of social media, when you look on there and you, it looks like everyone else's life is perfect and like they're killing it and they're you know earning more money than you and like they've got a better lifestyle and whatever, but that's not the case um, because a lot of these people, 
in reality are living a lie, the ones who are promoting uh, the fact that they're killing it and that you should be, you know, doing what they're doing to, to earn the money they're earning and they're, they're posting pictures of them next to nice cars and whatnot. Yeah. But all of that's bullshit. It's yeah. funny, yeah, I was talking to someone yesterday and, and they were telling me that, a couple of days ago, and they were telling me that someone online is, is portraying this type of image, but they are, you know, financially struggling. So mm. that's definitely as well what you talked about earlier with modeling. You know, you, you do get our social comparison, right? When you see some of these models doing certain shoots, and you can often put yourself down and wonder why didn't I get that opportunity. So it's something that you, you need to work on yourself and, and just keep trying to be true to yourself, like you said earlier, and keep trying to, to stay positive and, and, and work on self, self-help, self I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, everyone is portraying a certain lifestyle on there. And some of the time it's not true. So just be very careful who you follow and are the people you follow va- of value to you. If not, don't bother following. If, mm. it's, if it's making you feel bad about yourself, then hit the off button, basically. Absolutely. If we said before, you know, if, the, if, if you want to be uh, inspired, so to speak, or motivated, or you want to actually educate yourself, that should be the number one thing, right? If you want to learn about fitness and health, you're already on the right track by listening to this podcast, right? It's actually learning from people and educating yourself. Motivation is temporary. So if, you, if you're following uh, hundreds of fitness models to get motivation, it's a temporary state. It doesn't last. Doesn't get you anywhere long term. Um, and inspiration, or oh, I want to be inspired. Again, that's debatable. Um, you, you know, are you really getting inspired by these people, or as Andrew said, are you looking at you know the perf- per- person with who looks like they've got a perfect body on social media? Which let me tell you, most of the time they haven't, because filters and whatnot, and uh, taking a thousand shots before they get it right. It's you know, there's a lot of uh, moving parts here. So what I'm trying to say is. You want to focus on educating yourself when you're when you following people on Instagram. Can you learn from them? Can you learn stuff that you can apply in your life? Because just by looking at photos and really for most most of the time, that's not going to do anything for you. You might think that, oh, you know, that's motivating me, but I don't think subconsciously it's doing you any favors by doing that. So f- follow maybe five to ten uh, people, I would say. I know, I know, you know, each to their own, but let's just say you want, uh, you want to improve your health. Focus maybe 10 people who are at the top of their game, if that, five people who you can really learn from and uh, who you can connect with, who's going to respond to you when you message them so you can learn from them. Uh, If you want to better yourself, let's just say with your relationships, how about you follow someone who specializes in mental health or whatever, you know, so yeah. Okay, three tips for uh, those (coughs) uh, pursuing a health and, and a career in health and fitness. So how many tips? Say three, top three. Top three tips. So (laughs) to pursue a career in health and fitness, okay, my first tip would be uh, to unpack why you want to do it, right? Now, as as, uh, woo-woo as it sounds, we always say, you know, you need to know why you do. It's very important. You need to understand the reason why you're getting into health and fitness. Because let me tell you, most of the time, if you're going into health and fitness to earn money, okay, to, to, to earn lots of money and be rich, most of the time it's not gonna happen. Um, and if you do make it uh, as a millionaire through health and fitness, then you're in the anomaly of people. You're in the below 1% of people who've actually done that. So if you're going in it just to make money, firstly, you're not gonna do it because you've got the wrong reasons. Uh, people see through it if you're just after their money. They'll see through it and it's not gonna serve you long term. Uh, and secondly, if you're going in without integrity and without actually wanting to help people, then um, 
there's no purpose in it for you. So you, you're not going to get the satisfaction out of it. You're not going to get the fulfillment out of it. It's not going to get you out of bed every morning um, and give you that drive to succeed unless you're doing it for the right reasons. So that would be my first tip is going with the right reasons and, and have integrity. My second tip would be to ask yourself, um, you know, what, what realm of health and fitness you want to get into, right? Because it's quite a big field now. If you want to go in as a personal trainer, then, um, you know, I would say to have a backup plan because times are changing. Like, obviously, we're sitting here now. It's kind of our plan is to get our message out there and reach more people. As I said, the reason why we're doing it is to actually help people. That's the number one. We've already got a stable income through personal training, so we're set with that. That's fine. But times are changing. And I think if you haven't got something else going on, like we're in a gym, we're in our, our close friend's gym right now recording this. They've done really well. They've built it, you know, the brick and mortar way, if you like. Um, they've got their own gym. It's something they love, something they want. They live around the corner. They've got three kids. They've got a great life. And um, it's an awesome gym. And they're doing really well. They've built a really good community here. So if, if that's something you want to do, you want to go in as a personal trainer or you want to go in to open your own gym, if that's something that really um, is something you want to achieve, that's great. But again, you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get necessarily rich from doing that. But if you go in uh, with the right reasons, as I said, then it's gonna give you great satisfaction. It's a great life, you know, and you're getting paid to keep fit. So if you value health, it's the number one thing I would say to get into. Um, and the third thing I just wanted to say, you can elaborate then. Third thing, I guess that's it, really. That's my only two tips. Yeah. What would you say? Yeah, similar, really. Um... You know, you can make a good living from it, but it's not going to be, you know, the, the kind of money you get going into finance and things like that, you know? Um, but I often see a lot of people who work office jobs and they're in those, you know, um, those type of categories. They are extremely unhappy with what they do. And so for me, it is definitely a very satisfactory job and a very social job and very enjoyable. So you get that side of things. Plus, you can earn a decent living doing it. Um, and also look to do it, if you're going into it, you need to look to do it as a career as well. I think like a lot of people who do personal training, they don't see it as their full-time career, so mm. they don't put full effort into it. They just see it as a stopgap and they're looking to move on to something else. Mm. And so find, if you are working with a trainer, find yourself, find someone who, like Martin said earlier, has integrity, but also is really passionate about what they do and they're going to put it all into that session. Mm. Um, and again, if you're going into it, think long term, how can I make this a career? How can I better myself? How can I get more qualifications? How can I go into different realms such as all online coaching and make a better income for myself? So, but yeah, just have integrity, make it a career. Um, it's very enjoyable, very, very social job. And, and you know, I, I, I love it, right? Now. I love it as well. And that's the thing, like, you know, um, I, that human interaction uh, is very important mm. and it's, it's something you take for granted, you know, like I, I, lo I love the job because, you know, first of all, it, 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 um, it's, I mean, I've been doing it for 12 years and it's, when I look, when I look at the person I am, this is all as a result of the people I've surrounded myself with and that's, that's you know, I'm, let's say I'm doing 30 hours a week as a PT, that's 30 of my hours a week I'm spending with a, a, an assortment of different people. And meeting great people from all walks of life and, and learning from them as well. That's a big thing. 
Uh, it's like Sal says off, off Mind Pump. I've always ch- I've changed my the way I look at it now sometimes. You know, you're with clients. If you're a really busy personal trainer, if you're doing 30 plus, even 30 plus hours a week, very taxing because it's a lot of energy you're exerting uh, on each different person if you're doing it uh, properly to the highest of your ability. So, you know, it can get very tough and very, it can get very tedious if you're doing more than 35, 40 hours personally. And that's not to uh, any disrespect to the individual clients. It's just because of, the energy it takes to actually do your job well. So I think um, if you really want to grow and learn and better your mental health, you should definitely try and learn from your clients. And you can learn something from every client. That's what I've learned as well. It doesn't have to necessarily, I've got some really successful clients who uh, who inspire me, and that's just not, not just because of the money they earn, it's because of the lifestyle they have, the relationship they have, and the work-life balance they've created from learning and actually um, mastering their craft so that those people you can learn a lot from. You know, I train a woman, for example, who's a neurologist. You know, she's a, a, a what's it called, a consultant level neurologist. And we all know how complex the human brain is. So I'm always learning from her about the latest research on the studies on the brain. I have another client who's a, a, a lawyer, and he's um, he basically runs. He's a he's a partner in a law firm. I learned, I learned a lot from him about, uh, you know, obviously the different laws and systems in Australia. You know, it sounds a bit geeky, but the way I look at it is like, if you want to learn, you can learn a lot from people. You learn more from people than you will, I think, personally, from any book you can read. Yeah, and you should constantly be looking to better yourself and develop yourself. And I feel that a lot of the clients that you work with have, um, have highly successful careers and they are the type of people who have, like, disposable income to then use working with a personal trainer. So you are dealing with people who are high up in companies, have their own companies, have successful careers. Mm. So anything you can take from that session is, you know, they're looking to get something from you, but when you have conversations, you're definitely getting something from them, and that can help improve your own life and help improve the life of other clients as well. Absolutely. Where do you see the Optimize Your Body business in the future, and what do you see for yourself? Ooh, good question. So, Optimize Your Body. Let's just talk quickly what what it is we're trying to do, because a lot of people try and, a lot of people like, still don't quite understand what we're doing here. Now the bottom line is, right, as I said, integrity means a lot to us. We're looking to, we're looking to reach more people with our message. That, uh, above all, that's what we're looking to do. Like there's only so much people you can benefit as a personal trainer, right? So, you know, you're doing, you're doing th- like I said, I'm not gonna say thousands, right? <laughs> I think it's hundreds. I always keep saying, oh, I've trained over a thousand people. I haven't. Let's just say, oh, in my 12 years as a PT, it's, it's, it's hundreds of people I've coached and, um, a lot of those people at the start of my, of my, of my career, I failed, okay? I, I, didn't, I didn't know enough to actually benefit them and change their life, which is what you should be looking to do. If someone's looking to hire you long-term as a trainer, you should be transforming their life one way or another. That doesn't mean necessarily anything drastic in terms of you know, uh, someone who's morbidly obese to uh, looking like a cover model, right? That, that's great, don't get me wrong. It's more about the mental changes. Uh, you're, you're, you're doing with them in terms of changing their behaviors and making them a healthier human and improving their quality of life, right? But there's only so many people you can actually help doing that. So our our goal is, you know, we're, we're sitting here now and we're reaching hundreds of people on the podcast, right? So that alone is is reaching more people and, and hopefully, even if we can benefit one or two people out of that, then that, that's great, that gives me satisfaction. And if that person can help someone in their family, great. So optimize your body is essentially what it, what, it, what it says on the tin is we want to get you to optimize your body, but there's more to it than just your body. You know, your mind governs your body, right? So we are trying to get 
to educate people on the fundamentals of fitness and we are essentially crushing, looking to crush all the myths around fitness, which we're already doing based on the feedback I'm getting now from the podcast. We're getting teaching people slowly about, you know, you don't have to worry about, for example, um, you're looking to build muscle, you don't have to worry about having a protein shake every couple of hours or eating a meal every couple of hours. You don't have to worry about that. You just gotta, you gotta worry about maybe having adequate protein and fueling your body with enough nutrients to get your body in a healthy state and then you will build muscle. You will build muscle by doing that. Uh, the same thing is with people who don't have much energy. Don't have much energy and then they turn into supplements, multivitamins, I'm missing out on, no, that's not really what you need. You need to focus once again on the fundamentals. Are you sleeping enough? You know, for example, a lot of people think they're getting good sleep. Online client I have now, she said, yeah, yeah, I sleep really well. Just because she sleeps for seven or eight hours, then she told me she was waking up every night with her kids, so she's having, she's not having great quality. If you're waking up once, that's interrupting the quality of your sleep. So all of these things are the fundamentals, and that's what Optimize Your Body is all about. Our philosophy is helping people achieve sustainable health. And yes, I know at least 78% of the people listening to this want to look good. They want to look, a lot of the guys, we have a big male audience, they want to look like us, or at least they want to they want to get leaner and they want to build an aesthetically pleasing physique. And that is what we're about, don't get me wrong. Our training programs, our specialized training programs is, is going to deliver that. It's going to yield you those results. It's going to get you in the shape of your life if you're in it for the long run. It's not going to get you in the shape of your life in four weeks. We're not going to lie to you and say you're going to be in the shape of your life after 28 days because you're not going to. It's going to take you six months to a year for most people to, to get you know really, really good results. You're going to get significant results, don't get me wrong, in, in four to eight weeks. But we're all about the, the long game. Uh, not necessarily the long game, that's not very appealing. We're all about looking at the bigger picture, is the best way to put it, and, and getting you to create sustainable health, improve the quality of your life, and get to a point where you're feeling good and you're enjoying your life more. You know, you, you might, before you, you hire us as a coach or you buy one of our training programs, you might still be, you might be in a good state in your life, might be in a good place where you're healthy and everything's good, and you want to take it to another level, uh, and, you will, and to get you to that other level, once again, we're always going to go back to the fundamentals. You've got to lift weights properly. By doing our program, you're going to be using all the right concepts and doing that properly. And then if you listen to our podcast as well, you're always going to be educated on the on the things which matter, and that is um, moving more. So to, to create a calorie deficit, for example. Um, you want to get leaner and lose body fat? We'll always um, look to get you maximum results for minimum effort because most people are putting in way too much. They're putting in so much effort to the point where it's having a detrimental effect on their life. It's, it's degrading the quality of their life. Um, it's damaging their relationships sometimes as well because they're putting so much into their training and doing uh, stupid amounts of cardio where that's now taking up a lot of their time. Uh, they're eating the wrong foods, which is damaging them mentally and physically. So once you get these things in place, um, you know the, the, the results are groundbreaking. So just, just, to, just to summarize that, Optimize your body is about getting people in shape long term, right? But that doesn't sound too sexy, right? We want to get people in shape fast as well, right? Don't get me wrong. Um, with the way we coach people, because we because we know so much about you know the basics of nutrition. We're not nutritionists. We never po- we never pose to be dietitians or doctors, but we know how important it is to sometimes use a tracking tool uh, to actually track and be aware of what food you're eating. Not necessarily using an app or anything, just learning and being more aware about what you're eating, writing down, keeping a food diary, 
and learning about um, awareness, essentially. That is always the first step. So with Optimize Your Body, we always get people to focus on the awareness, whether that be uh, your food intake, you know, how much, how much water you're drinking, how much sleep you're getting, um, how hard are you training in the gym. Once again, are you doing too much? Are you doing more than you need to? Therefore, putting your body into a state where it doesn't want to build muscle and it doesn't want to lose body fat because that's what a lot of people are doing. They're doing more than they need to. Metabolism is slowing down and it's having a detrimental effect. And um, so we've come in to kind of, in a sense, I'd say just, just to wrap it up, to, to pick the pieces up, really, because a lot of the people that um, we deal with as, as coaches and as online coaches as well is people who have tried everything, They've yo-yo dieted, they've tried different diet plans, they've, they've, they've tried different methods of training, they've tried um, all sorts, and it's got them nowhere. And if anything, it's done them more harm than good in the long run. And then they've come to us because they're, a lot of the time they're overloaded and inundated with bullshit information as well. So we're looking to cut through all the bullshit and give you the facts. Excellent. Okay, Andrew's already done his questions, right? But I forgot to hit the record button. <laughs> so um, we'll do this again. As usual, something goes wrong, but yeah. So it wouldn't be the first time I've st- I've not pressed the record button, Drew. Let's see if I can actually answer the questions the same way I did last time because I gave some good answers. You did, you that. did. Which I will be leaking out on social media anyway, so don't yeah. worry about that. Uh, okay, when was the last time you checked your abs, Drew? Because I know you had a um, body dysmorphia for a long time. <laughs> I saw you pinching your skin when I first saw you yesterday. Well, you didn't realize you were doing. It. But he's not doing it as much now. He had this. He had this um, habit. I think it was OCD. OCD pinching his skin to make sure he was lean enough, and he did it once yesterday but he's calmed down a bit I think I used to do it constantly before like it was a it was a real issue for me so at least I've kind of overcome that um I would say last night I checked my abs we're going on a uh, a short trip for a stag do coming up for a friend's uh, friends getting married um so last night I checked looking in decent shape I've done kind of a well actually uh, it's, it's a lot easier now for me to maintain my physique anyway um so I haven't had to struggle as much as I did in the past so last night it was a quick ab check, but usually before it would have been mirrors in the gym, lifts, elevators, any any mirror or any opportunity I had, and have a little check and we see what was going on there. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I mean, getting up in the middle of the night and checking your abs like that is kind of like something it was just a norm for us. But I mean, at our worst, can you remember like about four or five years ago? We were like literally every lift we would be getting a selfie. selfie yeah. Oh man, every single time we went to the toilet, right? So every time I'd have a pee, so that is let's just say ten times a day you have a pee. That's a minimum of ten times a day, mm. right? And that was I think that was just your forward processor, right? You were thinking that you'd probably done eaten something and you were automatically gonna lose your abs or you hadn't exactly. trained efficiently and, and that's kind of that can happen to you mentally when you're in the fitness game. So Absolutely. So do you find it challenging trying to make it as a model in New York City? Yes, it's, uh, it can be extremely challenging. Um, this is where gratitude comes into favor because I am grateful that I've actually had the opportunity to live in New York, to be signed to one of the top agencies there and to be going on castings and competing with the best. And essentially you need to remember that you are competing with, you know, opposite to LA, you're competing with the best models in the world really when you're in New York. And sometimes I forget that when I'm not getting some jobs. Mm. Um, so essentially, yes, yeah, it's, it's very difficult because you're going to a casting and there may be hundreds of other men who look similar to you. They're looking for a certain look. You sometimes have to be quite thick-skinned because you are going to get a lot of rejections before you get that yes. So I've been fortunate to be in a few magazines, do a few other shoots as well. I am now working on myself constantly, doing like test shoots, trying to get better um, in front of the camera, trying to be more confident. 
doing stuff like this, podcasting, um, going to as many castings as I can. And then I'm hoping that, yeah, I'll get more breaks or I'll get my big break soon. But yeah, definitely grateful for doing it now. But to say it's not difficult, I would be lying. That's yeah. a great point as well. And it's surprising like how much, you know, doing podcasts and social media stuff, but I'd say mainly podcasts, you know, how much it actually benefits your confidence. Because, you know, it's, it's very challenging when you're doing a podcast and when you first start, like anything, but you get better and better at communicating and talking, essentially, which is, is, is very, very important for your confidence because you have, to, you have to have a lot of, you know, confidence and belief in yourself, right, to, do, to, to go to castings against all those kind of people. But tell them quickly about, um, you didn't take it too well, did you, about the Madrid shoot? Oh, yeah. So recently I was... Um I went to a casting um, and then I was told I was put on hold for a shoot, travel to Madrid in Spain for like four days. Um, and I just thought, wow, like this is a huge opportunity for me. I'm going to be doing like a TV commercial. This could be my big break. This could then lead on to other things. So essentially when you're on hold, you can't do any other jobs during that time. But you also, I guess you're uh, pitted against maybe, I don't know, many other people. So on Monday I was waiting, thinking I'm going to be traveling to Madrid tonight. Then unfortunately, I didn't get the call, and like it can be quite crushing mentally, you know. So mm-hmm. it's it's how you process that, and you need to understand that you're not going to get every job. So if you are going into this industry thinking, once I get signed to an agency, that's it, I've made it. No, you have to work on work through the process, work on yourself, get better, and then those breaks will come for you. And I'm, I believe there's like some of the top models in the game who have had a lot of rejections from agencies. Some people have been turned away by like 40, 50 agencies before they've, been getting, they've even got their chance. I was fortunate to be enough to be picked up by an agency online, do you know what I mean? So I've definitely, I'm definitely making steps to get better, but you do have to sometimes just move on from the last job. They are looking for a certain look and a certain person. That may be you one day, that may be someone the next, so don't dwell on it. Don't let it get to you, just move on to the next one and then keep working on it and keep going for it. Awesome. Which body part do you struggle with the most? This is calves. Move on to the next question. It's a sore subject. <laughs> do you ever get bored when eating clean most of the time? Um, before, yes, because my diet was terrible. It was just consistent of like broccoli, rice, brown rice, chicken, breast. Very bland, very dry, no seasoning. Yes, I was bored. Then when I ate other foods like processed foods or so quote-unquote cheat foods, I don't like using that term, but I would binge badly. Now I'm at a point where... I thoroughly enjoy eating whole natural foods. I thoroughly enjoy cooking delicious meals. Um, I thoroughly enjoy going to the supermarket, choosing quality types of foods and nutrients and things like that. So I'm at a different part of my life where, as I don't crave those type of foods anymore, I'm now able to eat a bit of cake if I don't, you know, if I, like for example, for my birthday, and then not binge and and eat like a, a load and load of ice cream and chocolate and stuff like that felt good, I move on the next day, I back to eating my normal, back into my normal routine. Um, so yeah, I think the more you do it, the more you start bringing in vegetables and non-processed foods into your diet, your taste buds do change, different foods start tasting delicious and more flavorsome. So for me, no, it's, it's not a challenge anymore, I'm at a great point right now. And that's what our message is, is teaching people to you know connect to how they feel when they eat certain foods and, and, and feeling good, right? And that's what Andrew was uh, saying then, I think, in other words, is he is now at the point now where he's realized intuitively, like his body now knows he feels good when he eats better. Therefore, that then automatically drives you to eat the healthier foods. And then on the flip side, he's also in tune with the fact that if he has a piece of cake, you know, 
physically, it's not doing him, it's not doing him any favors for his health. But mentally, you know, sometimes you need that. You're at a birthday party, you have a cake, so what? As long as you're not binge and eating the whole cake and then feeling um, guilty afterwards, that's the most important thing, is, and that's what we try and teach people. Yeah, I think and binging and eating like that before would have led me on to having a poor sleep, then the next day I would try and punish myself for training, and it was just like, like that vicious fire right yeah. So now I'm just like, I'm good. Next day I'm back to it, I feel good. Move on. Back in the game. Yeah. Have you ever experienced depression or anxiety? And if so, how did you get through it? Um, yes, I have experienced uh, depression, most certainly. Um, went through a tough time. I haven't even, like, I've really shared this with my closest family and, and friends. So um, it's sometimes a tough t- a subject for me to talk about. Yeah. I would say, yeah, it may have been linked to, uh, may have been related to how I was treating myself physically and mentally through health and fitness, believe it or not. You know, we look at it as a realm where it's quote-unquote like healthy to be in this industry, but a lot of people are some of the most unhealthy you will unhealthy people you will meet mentally, mm. right? Um, so, yeah, I'll probably delve into it more a little deeper another time. Yeah, uh, we'll do another time. subject to talk about, right? Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, certainly went through some Why do you find it hard then? Sorry to interrupt. Why do you find it hard to talk about, do you reckon? Is it because of the stigma? Or is it yeah, like- probably like stigma surrounding it. Like, am I weak? Am I, you know what I mean? But yeah. obviously we, we're aware now that a lot of men are going through the same thing. You mm. did a post on it the other day, maybe one in four yep. people are going through uh, depression mm. or anxiety and suffering, you know? Especially now social media is more prevalent. It's probably getting even harder. Um, for myself, how did I get through it? I got through it through making myself a better person, like starting to educate myself on through listening to podcasts like this. I'm not just saying that because we're doing a podcast now. That literally changed my life, finding podcasts. Mm, uh, same. Changing my diet, my relationship with uh, health, my relationship with exercise, um, my relationship with family members, friends, Jimmy, um, being more social, uh, practicing gratitude, meditating, those type of things. And that's something that I've left slip lately and I've got out of my morning routine. So I just started I, and I felt like kind of feeling a little bit different. I wasn't feeling as good as, as I w- once was. So I started bringing that back into my my routine this, this past couple of weeks, even trying to find quiet time for myself. And, and sometimes you need to be a bit selfish in this situation, plus you also need to be social mm-hmm. and be with your friends because they're the ones who are gonna help you through it, right? Just to go a tiny bit deeper, one more question on that. Um, <coughs> at your worst then with your depression, what was it you, what was actually going through your head? I know it's hard to explain, but what was it you were feeling exactly then? Just like you don't want to do anything. Basically yeah. you, you it's, it's just tough to, you know, you might be on a, a cerebral high and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, like it'll hit you and it's like, what, what's going on? Like you don't, yeah. you can't put your finger on it sometimes why yeah. it's happening, but you won't want to, you won't want to socialize with anyone. Yeah. You're in a very foul mood. You might yeah. want to stay in bed all day. Your, your, your simple tasks become very difficult. Mm. You know, you can't focus on anything. You, mm. You're bedridden. It's, it's not. A, it's, it's, it's a tough process to go yeah, through. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. Like I really wouldn't. No, no. It's just a silent killer. Yeah. What motivates <laughs> you to stay in shape all year round? Um, just being healthy. Like being able to have relationships with uh, close loved ones, family members, long into the future. Being able to move well. Um, being able to feel better. I guess that links mm. from the last question there. You know, if I don't have health and fitness in my life and staying in shape all year round, I'm not going to feel right mentally, so that's going to have a detri- detrimental effect on me. Um, How about staying in shape physically? 
So, so okay, physically. So, yeah, no, no, I was just gonna say, no, it's, it could be anything. I like to feel good in clothing. Do you know what I mean? I like yeah, to. Yeah. I like my I'm without clothing. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> you want to feel good naked, right? Um, I just I love the process of it. The, like I turned this into my lifestyle. This is my profession. I like to look good so clients can see that I do practice what I preach. I guess in, in yeah. some some regards. Um, yeah, just just basically that, There's, and obviously modelling. I need to stay in shape on now. Yeah, um, so that gives me another goal. It used to be playing sport. Now it is. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So I guess having a plan that's going to help you. Um, you have a plan. You have something to work towards. That's going to give you that that extra motivation. But help help create you create healthy habits to stay in shape long term. I guess definitely. And something you scraped over then is um, I'd like to say is um, is building building uh, is character building. That's that's the number one thing. Andrew was saying the process of it, right? That is something you need to really hone in on, right? Is the process focusing on the on, on the actual process instead of the progress? Because it's not the shape you get in physically which gives you the maximum benefits from being a fit and healthy person. It's actually the mental side of it, the character building. You know, I'm a completely God knows what kind of person I would be if I'd never lifted weights from a young age. You know, it's it's built my character up from from doing, and that's what I love about fitness is it's black and white. You know, you go to the gym. You lift weights, so you do whatever you're going to do. You feel better. That bleeds into your life. Eventually, you start looking better. You know, you get stronger. It's black and white. You know, I went to the gym. I put the work in. I got stronger. I built muscle. I went to the gym again. I put work in. I got stronger again. I built muscle. It's black and white, and it builds your character. So focus on the process, 100%. Um, it seems you have a do- uh, What's it? It seems you love your dog, Floyd. But do you find it, and, and it seems the audience do as well, but do you find it hard looking after your dog, uh, you know, with your busy schedule living in NYC? Yes, I love him on times. Um, there's probably about 30 minutes when I come home from work that I want to strangle him, but uh, we won't mention that, right? But he's a, he's a beautiful dog. Um, yes, definitely. It's um, When you grow up in Wales, like in the valleys, it's, it's countryside. So my experience with dogs as I've been, as I was younger, is that they get a freedom. They're not really in the house. They're outdoors. They're running around, plenty of space. Um, they are, you know, you're able to take them on walks in the countryside if you need to, because that's not too far away, yeah. right? Whereas the difficulty with uh, in New York is that the majority of us have a small confined space to live in, so he's on your lap constantly. He doesn't get as much opportunity to go outside. So the challenge for me is having him there constantly, having to deal with his with different behavioural issues that he does mm-hmm. have. He's a really good dog, like for the most part. So I'm not going to say that. Um, but I would like to be able to give him that freedom just to open the door, hey Floyd, go out into the backyard or the back garden, have a run around. You know, as much as I like to take him on long walks, my time is limited, so I take him usually in the evening, and my wife takes him in the morning. On the weekends, I have a little bit more freedom, so when I do have that freedom, Central Park is open Sunday and Saturday, early morning. That's like a 20, 30 minute walk for me, so I walk in there and you can leave him off the lead. So he runs around and you can just see how happy he is. So the challenging thing for me is not being allow, allowing him to be off the leash or the lead and to just run around constantly and be out, out in the countryside. And there's no, you know, it's a concrete jungle, right? So Yeah, exactly. How do you deal with life when you get stressed out, Drew? Um, probably kind of um, going back over the points I made earlier. So it would be just taking time out to myself, um, doing things I enjoy. So that would be maybe reading as much as I can, trying to learn. Um, focusing on like nighttime routine, so am I getting enough sleep? Am I switching off from electronics at a certain time? So I have an app on my phone, or there's a link to the iPhone now that cuts off certain um, 
things at like whatever time you want. So I try and cut off social media at eight o'clock at night and not have it on until early morning because I know something on there is going to trigger me and it stress me out. Um, I like to meditate when I can, just do some deep breathing. Training, obviously, that helps me massively with stress and feel good. Um, and just spending time with the right people, I guess. Great stuff. Finally, if you could recommend one exercise for maximum results, what would it be and why? That exercise would be a deadlift, uh, mainly because it's a bang for buck exercise. It's going to recruit a lot of muscle fibers, but it also focuses on posterior chain, which is very uh, neglected by society these days. We're always doing stuff in, in this, this plane of motion in front of us, sagittal plane, so reaching in front, reading in front, on our phones in front, very dominant probably through our hips rather than being dominant through hamstrings, glutes, uh, and, and, and our back muscles. So posturally, it's, it's a good exercise. Also, it's great for building strength, building muscle, and building a nice developed physique. So, Awesome, awesome. Yeah, deadlifts are great for most people. You know, I think that's the go-to for me when I have new clients, you know, literally every single one of them, really. As Andrew said, front dominant, you know, the front side of the body, the hips, you know, the shoulders are rounded. So to get them to activate that posterior chain, the back side of the body, is a game changer, really. You're activating the whole posterior chain, which is going to uh, improve your posture, but also for building muscle, I mean, that is number one. Obviously, barbell squats we always talk about is the king, but you know it's very hard to, to actually perfect the barbell squat. So deadlifts is um, it's actually, there's, there's no room for error with the deadlift. Uh, however, if you can get to doing that, in terms of injury, I mean, but if you can get to doing a deadlift properly with good form, I mean, absolute game changer. Yeah. So that's a wrap then, Drew, man. It's nice to have you in person, fella. It is, man. Yeah. So, uh, you know, usually on a different time zone, right? So Exactly. How's this stag do going to go there, mate? Are we going to get twisted or? Nice quiet one, I reckon. So. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be messy, man. Early nights. Early nights, definitely. Plenty of sleep. But we can't drink like the guys we're going with. I mean, we can't drink like them. So. No. We'll probably be face-planted by 6 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> 6 a.m. probably, tomorrow morning. Face-planted into a fucking pile of poo somewhere. All right. Anyway. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. Nice and Drew. All right. Thanks, guys. Cheers, thanks guys. Cheers.